you know, there's all these stories about, you know, guys over in Macedonia who are running these fake news sites. Number 24 is Content Farms in Macedonia. Bidiki ako se napravi greška, tak je bide kobna. Nema vrakinja nazad. So, Europe need to, to remain more sexypil lady in the world. Ajde, majkata! Gospode, čuva Macedonija in izvinite gregi. EU Supremo von der Leyen flies into Macedonia, calls the Macedonians, quote, North Macedonians, unquote, and leaves behind 80 million euros in a scene reminiscent of Esau selling his birthright to Jacob for a bowl of stew. In Bulgaria, Macedonians open a cultural club only to have the Bulgarians protest it and so-called Speaker of the Macedonian Parliament, Talat, quote, Amitrader to Macedonia Jaferi, unquote, say that this is not good for so-called, quote, good neighborly relations, unquote. And in Macedonia, the former terrorist party of the so-called National Liberation Army, now the so-called Dewey, whatever that means, has continuing and major internal issues, fighting, as it were, for some internal cohesion, but likely just further fracturing. The Macedonian content farmers wish them nothing but ill will and constipation. And finally, the new U.S. ambassador from the State Department is due in Macedonia very soon. Whatever does that mean? We'll discuss all of this and more on this episode of the Macedonian Content Farmers Podcast. I'm Jason Miko, coming to you from the foot of the Catalina Mountains in Oro Valley, Arizona. And this is Svetan Shalimanov in Skopje, Macedonia. Good afternoon, Svetan. It's uh, morning here. Today is All Hallows' Eve, Halloween, October 31st, the last day of October. You guys changed your time this week, so now we're only eight hours behind. Yeah. Uh, I guess you go off of daylight savings time here in Arizona. Uh, we're, we're never on daylight savings time. Do you know why? Because you have energy and we have to conserve energy because we have none. <laughs> well, that's a good, that's a part, that's not a bad answer, but actually, no, the reason yeah. is because in Arizona, who wants another hour of daylight in the summer? Uh, <laughs> it's too bloody hot. So anyway, yeah. uh, okay, what, so, what are you uh, going as uh, this evening? <laughs> yeah, what am I going During to do? During the trick-or-treating. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, uh, are you going yeah. to, like as your uh, gubernatorial candidate? <laughs> yeah, no, I I haven't trick or treated. I haven't been to a costume ball or anything like that in years. I yeah. I get together. I actually for all the years I've been living in this this home of mine here in uh, Oro Valley, I've been going to. Uh, I've got a sister and brother in law also here in Oro Valley, and they've always had friends over, and uh, so I've always mm -hmm. gone over there for dinner and. While their kids and they invite other friends over and the other kids. So while my nieces and nephew and, and their friends were all coming over, they were going trick-or-treating. I would, of course, demand tribute in the form of candy <laughs> when they got back. But, but they're all in college now. So, uh, yeah. so no, more, no, more, no more younglings to demand tribute from. So uh, anyway. Um, Here it's becoming again, uh, it's the time of the year again when we remind everybody that uh, Halloween is a... Uh, Catholic, as we say, uh, celebration <laughs> here <laughs> from those uh, duplic duplicitous Westerners and that we should, uh, and that we have badass uh, Orthodox holidays where you, you you go to the cemetery and eat <laughs> for the souls of the dead. Yeah, <laughs> Which is, yeah. sounds creepy. We, um, we, yeah, we can make it scary. <laughs> we can yeah, well, it. actually, just, if you want to make it scary... scary. If you want to make it scary, one of the one of the fun things going around on the Twitters um, 
which I find interesting now that Elon Musk fully owns. Uh, mm -hmm. But one of, one of the popular Halloween costumes, at least uh, from, from our side of the uh, political aisle, is um, uh, Joe Biden. So uh, you, you see this little girl with kind of a, a, a half body of a Joe Biden wrapped around her, and you can tell it's, it's his, his face, and it's, you know, it's, oh. it's just various creepy Joe Biden costumes, which is fantastic, so. Uh. Well, they tried to have a dark Brandon beam, but actually the, the reality is pretty dark about him. <laughs> it is. Handling children, is. daughter even. I mean, yeah, okay, let's not even yeah. go there, but it's, it's pretty dark. Uh, it even. is, it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, we should probably talk right. about Macedonia since this is the Macedonian Content Farmers podcast. This is episode one four six. So let's let's start at the top there, kind of with uh, what we what I talked about in the monologue. Uh, so, von der Leyen, the uh, EU Supremo. I don't. I always you know, there's so many presidents in the EU. I always get them mixed up. Uh, she's the yeah. she's the president of the whole. She's thing, the president of the Commission, which is supposed uh, to be like the government. She should be head of right. the executive. Because Thank it looks you. like a government, but in reality, <laughs> the, the commission does more of the legislating and the council, which is like the president president, right. uh, like the head of state guy, he's more in the executive and the parliament does not really do much legislating. So it's a total mess. It's, <laughs> it's oh. unbelievable. Well, when, well, I'll tell you, when, when Congress is not in session here, it's a good thing. So if Parliament's not in session there or not legislating, then it's probably yeah. a better thing. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, so, so she came into Macedonia. She she calls the Macedonians, you know, North Macedonians. That's not the first time she's done that. Yeah. Uh, I, I saw that uh, David uh, Geer, is it Geer or Greer, the EU ambassador? Uh, I think Geer. Geer, like yeah. Said, Geer, I guess. Right. <laughs> said uh, she made a misquote. True. Uh, but he said, you know, he, he immediately pivots and says, we need to focus on the fact that she's been here three times in the past, you know, whatever number of months. And she's, she's bringing, you know, 80 million euros, um, et cetera, et cetera. So, mm -hmm. uh, which is paltry, uh, plus my point about Esau, if, if, uh, for those listeners remembering their old Testament story of, uh, Esau selling his birthright to Jacob for a, a bowl of, of, Pottage is the word used in the Old Testament. Mm. Stew, you know, you don't you don't give away or sell your your name, your identity, your history, yeah. your culture, everything for a little bit of filthy lucre, uh, which is exactly yeah. you know what this is all a continuing part of. So, uh, what did what what else was her message there, if anything? Uh, so <laughs> the funny thing was on the the yeah the poultry funding aside, uh, the funny thing was that uh, uh, there was a very strong effort by the ambassador here, by the other diplomats, by the British ambassador, uh, the Swedish ambassador, and especially SDSM, uh, to make it look like they scored another big win with the concessions to Bulgaria. Uh, now, the, like when uh, they signed the Prespa Treaty and they tried to tell us that Greece allegedly agreed to co begin calling us Macedonians as Macedonians, Greece agreed to no such thing. Tsipras mm -hmm. made it clear in a tweet that he has never agreed that, uh, that Greece accepts us as a nation called Macedonians. Uh, so now they're trying to make it look like the, the Bulgarians accepted our language and that they will agree that the Macedonian language will be a f an official language of the EU. Mm. The caveats are that uh, Bulgaria first wants changes to our educational curriculum under which it will be clear that uh, 
the children growing up, they will be taught that uh, the ancient period, you know, were not Macedonians. This was Greek, Hellenic kingdom. Uh, but there were some Thracian elements. Then they will learn that in the medieval period, we were Bulgarians. This is the some agreed to already. Then we will learn that in the national liberation period, this is still under debate, but the way things are going is the SM is going to accept this, that the national liberation period were also Bulgarians, and that the language was Bulgarian, and that in 41 or 45, depending how you look at it, Macedonians, because of we had a revolution like you Americans had against the British, you suddenly became a new nation as part of this revolution, as part of uh, external political circumstances, and that, uh, okay, you're Macedonians, but the term is emptied out of any historical background. Mm. This is the, the most Bulgarians would accept, and even this is depends on which party forms the government. But at the moment, there is no government in Bulgaria. There is not even clear winner in the elections. So there is like a placeholder government, and... Uh, the EU figured let's sign a treaty with the Macedonians. And the funny thing is that this is a long-delayed treaty, a big, a very priority treaty, uh, because we protect the external border of the EU after Greece failed to do this in 2015, <laughs> 2016. They have picked up the slack. It's not as bad as it used to be, obviously. But mm. at the moment, we are like the second line of the external border of the EU. So that we were going to sign a treaty. We have... Uh, police from the Czech Republic, Slovakia, Hungary, of course, uh, Slovenia, depending when, when they have a conservative government, they want to bolster our defenses and they want to come for a photo op next to a wire fence at the border. The ministers of Hungary or of, uh, Slovakia, the prime minister would come. So um, we we're going to sign a treaty with the whole of the EU with their Frontex, like uh, ICE, mm, like, uh, right. you know... Uh, unit, but Bulgaria delayed this for a while because uh, we said we want to sign this. We want to especially have it named that this treaty was signed in Macedonian. Mm -hmm. And now with the interim government, somehow the EU got B Bulgaria to sign this. Uh, mm -hmm. Even though, as I said, Bulgarians will, uh, will consider this as an empty gesture that it's not binding for the future, that they, this does not mean they made a precedent in their eyes that the Macedonian language will become an official language or if they eventually let us have it as an official language of the EU, they will first empty it out of any content, make it look like a, a joke, practically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, our guys went uh, into this lap of victory that we, got, we stick it to the Bulgarians. We got them to make a huge concession. It's now... A precedent, what do you want more? Is the SM uh, people go to Vimmer, members of parliament, with the contract, they shove it in their faces, apologize, they shout to them, apologize to the public. And Vimmer say, listen, we signed dozens of these deals with the EU, like the negotiate, the accession talks, uh, which are yet to begin, the stabilization association contract. I mean, we, we would say we would go there all the time to Brussels and we would address the parliament in Macedonian, there is a boot saying, in, you know, they're translating from Macedonian. So it's, mm -hmm. SDSM is trying to make a huge deal out of nothing. And von der Leyen and the other ambassadors were supporting them. And then the funny part was that von der Leyen steps into it, into her <laughs> own story when she 
She called us North Macedonians in the middle of the speech and she messed the whole carefully constructed narrative up. Yeah, they're 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 believing their own press releases, which is a dangerous place yeah. to be. I, I completely yeah. forgot. You know, you you mentioned the um, the fact that Bulgaria doesn't have a stable government, and I almost forgot that. Just let's see again. This is October thirty one. So October second, I believe it was. The Bulgarians had another election. I think this was their mm. fourth in two years. Inconclusive, basically, kind of like the Israelis. They're having an election on Tuesday, and it looks like Bibi's coming back. Hopefully. Uh, mm. but, but they, I, I saw the name of the, the quote unquote Bulgarian prime minister the other day and a name I didn't even recognize that most Bulgarians mm. wouldn't even recognize it, it, to lightly paraphrase, um, Andy Warhol, uh, in the future, every Bulgarian will be a prime minister for 15 minutes. Uh, it seems like, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so they don't have a stable government and yet, you know, from their side, they are. They, the Bulgarians, whoever is in charge at any given moment, uh, they keep they're they're unified on their position that there is no Bulga- Macedonian language, there are no Macedonians. They were created in the 1940s by the Bulgarians, etc., etc., etc. And they're just going to keep playing this game for as long as they can, I think, until uh, you know, until the EU collapses or the Second Coming of Christ or what have you. Um, mm. But yeah, and yes, of course, uh, to your point, the, the, the government of Macedonia will continue to, to do what it can to to um, advance their cause and, and play footsie with with them. Um, let's let's pivot then to the uh, cultural club that opened in mm-hmm. Bulgaria. Uh, it's a Macedonian cultural club. Uh, what's the name of it? Uh, Nikola Yonkov Papcarov. Okay. And, it's and... a poet from World War II. He was a communist socialist. Poet right. who was killed by, who was honored a lot by the Bulgarians as well, mm-hmm. uh, before his death and especially under the communist uh, regime in Bulgaria, obviously, uh, and he was killed by the monarchist, the uh, Tsar Boris's uh, government right. uh, in 1942. Right. Now, Tala Jaferi, the so-called Speaker of the Macedonian Parliament, said that it's it's not good to uh, to open clubs like these and provoke. Uh, of course, mm. the Bulgarians have done the same thing in Macedonia. Uh, the uh, the Bulgarians, uh, what's that one dude's name? The real, the the, uh, the Nazi. No, 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 no. The the Bulgarian MEP. Uh, uh, oh yeah, uh, uh, Angel Jambaski. Yeah. So he was he was he was leading the protest in front of it. This is the guy that yeah. literally gave a, a Nazi salute. You can see yeah. it clearly in the European Parliament. I think he got yeah. fined for that, but he should have been thrown out. Uh, and but, he uh, has a, a chapter on the website of his party which says, what are we supposed to do with the gypsy question? Wow. Wow. Literally. Yeah. Well, you know, the funny, the funny thing is, you know, when, when, when he's doing that, you would, you would think that our friends on the left would be saying... Hate speech, hate speech, hate speech. Of course, there, I don't believe there is mm. anything such. There is, there's nothing. There is no such thing as hate speech. It's, it's just mm. he's an idiot. That's all. Uh, yeah. And uh, he's a provoker. He's an idiot. And you know, he, he, nobody should listen to him. You know, I think the Bulgarians should, should vote him out of office, etc. But anyway, uh, so this this club was opened and immediately protested against, attacked, etc. And you know. F- as an outside observer, literally outside, I'm in Arizona, uh, seeing these clubs open and then protests, etc. I think that's just kind of the um, 
the uh, the pattern going forward. Am I uh, am I off on that assumption or perception? Uh, I mean, yeah, it's it's an interesting development because uh, uh, I mean, credit where it's due, the Bulgarian police managed to keep uh, the whole thing orderly. The club has not been attacked. They had uh, two letters scratched off from the club, uh, from the sign on the club in the oh, days okay. before the opening. Okay. Mm-hmm. But you know, uh, normally, like uh, there would be stronger reactions. I mean, Macedonians in Bulgaria would say would speak of much greater intimidation. There was apparently, like with the treaty with uh, about Frontex. Uh, this is a very, you know, unusual move by the Bulgarian authorities to practically allow all of this to go down. Mm-hmm. Is it, uh, and the effect of not having a government, not having anybody in place and uh, trying to score some points, but nobody gets blamed. I mean, nor- normally, you know, it, it would either be the right-wing party or the, the this liberal globalist party, whoever is in charge, who will get blamed if they allow something like this to happen and now you know there is somebody a nobody who is prime minister and uh, the interior minister w- was in Blagoevgrad yesterday and he gave a statement that listen everybody has the right to congregate okay we consider this like a private matter we don't give them any legitimacy they are but you know even even this was uh, the mayor would actually say that he's kind of like sorry that this happened uh, they had um, a descendants of the poet come out and see, one of them uh, came out and met, uh, you know, tried to confront uh, Christian Mitskovsky, the Vemerad Pomanea leader, and to give him a book and to insist that, you know, my my ancestor was a Bulgarian, he was not a Macedonian, You're, this is a fake thing. Uh, so, uh, but normally we would not even get to this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, normally the Either the owner of the property would be intimidated not to allow it to open at all, uh, attempts to register the, let's say, the uh, organization which is supposed to open the club would be blocked endlessly in the courts or in the uh, their registry office, so they would never get off the ground. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this is uh, actually a significant development. It survived the night. Uh, whereas in Macedonia, for example, the Vancho Mikhailov club survived for three weeks, I think, before the entrance, there was a fire set to the entrance right. by this singer, Lambe Labakovsky. The club in Okhrit, uh, named after Tsar Boris, uh, it, uh, the sign was smashed, uh, I think, the first night. Uh, so this place survived the first night. We'll see how long it survives. Mm-hmm. Uh, on our part, uh, so it was supported greatly by Macedonians in Canada, by the Macedonian Human Rights Movement International, right. by uh, other donors uh, in uh, Toronto. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Christian Mitskovsky went to the opening with several members of parliament from Vemera and uh, uh, Apasiev, the leader of the populist Levitsa party, was also there. There was one unruly Bulgarian guy who tried to confront them both and he was kind of like playing some music uh, uh, Bulgarian patriotic music and then Apasiev's guys I guess snatched the uh, USB from his uh, uh, loudspeakers and then Apasiev said I'm now going to format this 
Nazi music. Uh, we're gonna, you know, begin formatting this Nazi device <laughs> or something. Uh, Jabaski's men were in front of the. So this is at one end of the city, and Jabaski's men were in the downtown at the monument of Gotsadelchev. Mm -hmm. So first they said we will not let them uh, come to the monument, but then the police actually ensured that the the crowd of Macedonians, including the political leaders, are allowed to go to the monument. ISDSM mm -hmm. uh, had uh, a news outlet uh, write uh, uh, stories about um, the head of the Macedonian human rights movement in Canada. Uh, and uh, because he's obviously very critical of the US for everything US diplomacy has done to us over the past years. They did the usual trope. Well, this is like a pro-Russian organization. And then uh, the foreign minister came out and said, we, we will investigate this. And this sparked outrage in Macedonia because, listen, first of all, every Balkan country supports minority organizations of its, you know, of its nationality in neighboring countries. And we are the ones who are arresting the leader of the Macedonians in Albania. Right. Uh, never utter a word about Macedonians in Greece, especially after Prespa, amending the constitution endlessly so that we do not offend the Greeks. Uh, and now investigating a Canadian citizen who would support financially Bulgarian citizens in a cultural center. Like, who are you to be doing this? Mm. After, obviously, after Bulgaria with the top-level governmental representatives coming at the opening of the first club, which is named after a person who is obviously badly maligned by the communist uh, his historians, but was also doubtlessly a close associate of the Croatian pro-Nazi leader. So, you know, it's not... And, you know, you have the prime minister of Bulgaria and the deputy president, vice president, coming at the opening of the club. And this club now, in our case, is named after a poet who was killed before he could do any damage to the communist regime, who was an okay poet uh, and uh, agitator, of course, communist agitator, but, uh, you know, yeah. was killed in the romantic phase before the totalitarian phase and was actually honored for a long time by Bulgarians as well. So it's not like, uh, he's a divisive figure, but uh, not, absolutely not at the level of Vancho Mikhailov in Macedonia. Mm -hmm. So uh, nobody from the Macedonian government dared go. President Pendarovsky sent his chief of staff. Oh. Uh, otherwise, nobody else had any uh, government representatives. Mm -hmm. But uh, Kovacevsky, the prime minister, he tried to say that, well, listen, this is the result of our treaty of friendship with Bulgaria. You see how things are changing in <laughs> Bulgaria. He tried to get some credit for this. Yeah. While in reality, it's the result of uh, him allowing the opening of uh, clubs, which are, you know, especially the first one, very divisive and obviously a provocative measure, uh, trying to to give, uh, you know, to, to provoke an incident, which both clubs did, and then Bulgaria gets an excuse to to say that uh, this is why we're blocking them. So the government says, listen, we're all both, we're considering this club in Blagojevgrad also both a provocative measure mm -hmm. by the Macedonian opposition and 
patriotic organizations close to the opposition, maybe. But also, at the same time, we take credit for the opening of the club. Right. Wow. Okay. That's, that's, that's a very good um, uh, summary, uh, which I think people will appreciate. Uh, two things. Uh, Kovacevsky, I just noticed he was on the BBC program Hard Talk. So that will be for those uh, anxiously awaiting to see what he has mm-hmm. to say. Uh, you can uh, dial in uh, to Hard Talk and have a listen. Uh, but second, um, Jeferi, who I mentioned in the in the monologue, so I didn't realize that Pendorovsky's chief of staff went over there. So that that implies some sort of approval. Uh, and then, of course, he mentioned Kovachevsky saying, "Well, this is what the treaty on so-called good neighbor relations uh, produces." But then Jeferi, who is the so-called speaker of the parliament, said uh, that this is not so good. Uh, so you've got a little bit of uh, yeah. mixed messaging there from those in government. Uh, which is a nice transition for us to um, the National Liber- sorry, the Dewey, uh, Ali Ahmeti's party, which was the National mm. Liberation Army. Uh, Talat Jaferi, of course, being a prominent member of Dewey, famously uh, being a member of the armed forces of the Republic of Macedonia during 2001 when he ditched his uh, uniform as a Macedonian soldier and went over to the side of Ali Ahmeti and his terrorist, traitorous murderous thugs and criminals, as uh, George Robertson called them uh, at the time, uh, and fought against uh, the army and the government that he was sworn uh, duty-bound and sworn to uh, to support. Uh, so now, 21 years later, gosh, that's, that's incredible that it's 21 years, over two decades since that war. Uh, Dewey has been in power for most of that time, but of course, uh, all good things must come to an end. Uh, and of course, uh, Dewey is not a good thing. It is a very bad thing. Um, but finally, there are more. When we talked about this, I think two weeks ago, we briefly mentioned it, that there were rumblings within Dewey. There's mm-hmm. a faction that is uh, very upset with Artan Grubi, the, uh, the base, you know, the the prime minister behind the prime minister in Macedonia and uh, the number two in Dewey. And it looks like the heir apparent to Ali Ahmeti is uh, whenever he dies, which will uh, Mm. probably be soon. Um, So there's fighting, internal fighting. They haven't solved it. Two weeks ago, we said they might've solved it. They haven't solved it. It's an open wound. It's, uh, it's bleeding. Uh, What else can you tell us about that? I know that it's not the first thing you follow in Macedonia, but it's important. So, it's fine. It could collapse the government if it goes badly, considering oh. how yeah. narrow their majority is. But it's not conclusive yet. Uh, so, uh, they had several meetings in their headquarters near Titova, and uh, Ahmeti was forced to accept a bunch of people from this rebel faction. Uh, uh, which is based in Skopje, has some of the more Islamist-minded uh, people in them, uh, in the faction, while Artan Grubi was trying to paint a picture of a nationalist, but a secular, anti, not, not Islamic, not yeah. uh, overly devout person, and a pro-American. Now, this is obviously, Albanians are great weather wanes, so at the time <laughs> under Bush, when... Uh, when it looked like the U.S. is on war against, uh, uh, when the U.S. was on the war footing against Sunni Islam, they were the big uh, um, secularists. Mm-hmm. 
this is the order of the day. Hide our Muslim, uh, you know, background. <laughs> but uh, now that uh, uh, that they are, uh, the U.S. is uh, in war with, uh, I guess, Orthodox Slavs, and not with Muslims. Uh, <laughs> the they are no longer so bound, so it's not such a big deal. But it was a big narrative back in the day between the Islam, the division between Islamists and secularists in Dui. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Uh, Ahmeti had to accept a bunch of these people from Skopje, from the Skopje wing, into the party leadership, but is also trying to keep uh, Artan Grubi as his chief of staff and also he, the as the first deputy prime minister of the government, where he practically has veto power over everything yeah. Kovacevsky does as prime minister. Um, so so far they have not uh, broken off relations completely. Uh, but in the meantime, another f- uh, fissure crea- uh, was created when Talat Jafiri, the Speaker of Parliament, who comes from Gostivar and the faction of Dui there is not performing well. They keep losing the mayoral seat because Vimero lands, you know, has the monopoly and the Macedonian vote there. Right. And it gives the Macedonian vote to the opposition Albanian party, not to Dui. So, um, uh, Jaferi wanted more seats in uh, the party leadership. He was denied, so he stormed off in front of the cameras. He was very angry at this. So it's possible that he breaks out. I mean, uh, we could even have, you know, the Speaker of Parliament (laughs) turning against the party, which would be very interesting. Hmm. Uh, But on the other hand, you know, they have so much spoils to divide between themselves because now they're practically the dominant member in the government. We've never had this happen before, that the Albanian party, which is the coalition partner in the government, is actually the stronger party. Mm-hmm. It's visible in, you know, the lineup of the government, in the type of ministries they get, you know, they get the finance ministry, never happened before. They get the uh, public administration ministry, which paired with the finance ministry allows you to do wreck havoc in the hiring in the public administration, just hire uh, all sorts of uh, you know party loyalists you want from your side, and uh, Dewey is using the the fake and rigged census we had mm-hmm. to insist that now there is thirty percent or even more I guess uh, was it thirty? I think thirty percent Albanians in yeah. Macedonia, but only fifty percent Macedonians. Actually, the number of Macedonians was undercounted. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and the number of Albanians was overcounted because they included the diaspora, mm-hmm. up from 25 and even 25 is charitable. Uh, so they say we, can, we have to now hire 30% of public administration people. Uh, and they have all the tools necessary for this. They run the, the historic dispute with Bulgaria by holding both the foreign minister, uh, the seat of the foreign minister and the deputy foreign minister which is ridiculous. I mean, we have Albanians discussing Macedonian national identity with Bulgarians, Mm. something they don't care about and they can make concessions with Mm -hmm. at will. So, yeah, it's uh, both in scoring political points and in just diverting public funding into their own pockets. They can do whatever they want. And uh, they can satisfy all the factions easily. But obviously, I mean... 
the more the, they get uh, these perks of government, literally spoils of war in, this, in, in the case of Macedonia, because they grabbed power through war, the more, the more they want, I guess, and uh, this is causing a, a fight in the party because they're getting greedier, you know, yeah. even lower level officials are getting greedy, so yeah. <laughs> it's, it's great fun. Yeah, it is. Yeah, uh, it's bad for Macedonia overall. But again, as I mentioned, you know, nothing lasts forever. Uh, they will, um, you know, the revolution devours its own, uh, and we're seeing that happen with Dewey. As you said, they're becoming, you know, more and more greedy. Uh, eventually, they will splinter as a party. It happens to all Albanian parties in Macedonia uh, because they're cult of personality parties. Uh, it'll splinter at some point. Because they don't have an ideology. Their only ideology is give us stuff for the Albanians, which is, frankly, you know, when you think about it, it's very condescending to Macedonia's minority Albanians because they work hard. They want to have – they're family-oriented. They, they, they just want to be, you know, normal folks raising a family, working hard, sending their kids to school, etc. But their leadership says you're really actually pretty stupid – and the only, you know, and what we need to do is just give you things from the treasury, uh, which is an incredibly condescending attitude. But, um, and, and of course, you know, on the, on the flip side, the, they are, they vote in Dewey, although we've, we've seen, um, we've seen other parties try and rise up and take a share of Dewey's votes, et cetera. But yeah, bottom line, they'll eventually fracture, fold, splinter, what have you, all of the above, uh, to be replaced by somebody else. Uh, hopefully, uh, Vomero and other parties that have Macedonia's true interests at, at heart will look at ways to help that fracturing and that splintering uh, occur faster. Yeah. Uh, so we'll just kind of, uh, well, we'll get out the popcorn and watch that. Um, you mentioned the... Uh, the well, well, they'll remain an indispensable tool for the U.S. Embassy here. I doubt they will be... Nice pivot. Uh, I was just going to mention yeah. that. <laughs> so, the U.S. Embassy, yeah. yes. Uh, so a new ambassador. You have, have to get back to the embassy at some yeah. point. Well, actually, let's do this. Let's, uh, I'm looking at the time here. So let's talk about that. The U.S. new U.S. ambassador is coming in from the State Department. And then uh, then before we close, I just I do want to talk just a little bit about the U.S. elections since those are next week. But uh, mm -hmm. So the U new U.S. ambassador, Angela Aguilar, I believe? Aguilar. We would say Tagelir, but I really yeah. have no idea. So she's coming in soon. Um, she will be misnaming my country, so, you know. <laughs> so I'm happy to misname her. Uh, yeah. So she's she's coming in before coming in soon. Uh, she was the PIO, the public information officer, I believe, under Phil Reeker uh, years yeah. ago when he was ambassador. So she's not unfamiliar with Macedonia. Uh, what does it mean, as I mentioned in the monologue? I think it means pretty much the same old, same old. Uh, State Department yeah. position towards Macedonia is not going to change. It doesn't matter who the president of the United States is, whether it's a Democrat or a Republican, a conservative or a far-left progressive liberal or whatever. Uh, State Department policy toward Macedonia isn't really dictated by the president of the United States at all. Now, the State Department policy towards you know, in our relations with China, Russia, the United Kingdom, Saudi Arabia, Israel, etc., are to a larger degree dictated by the president uh, and the president's party. But when you get down to the level of Macedonia, and, and don't feel bad, most countries on the planet are in the same position as Macedonia, where State Department mm. runs policy. So 
Uh, that's just a fact. It's you know, not much you can do about yeah. that. So, uh, so we don't expect uh, State Department policy uh, to towards Macedonia to change with the incoming new ambassador. Um, we'll see. You know, we'll see. Any any anything you hear? Any scuttlebutt you hear about her uh, imminent arrival? I mean, uh, as you said, she was public uh, officer, uh, public what, information called uh, PIO, public information yeah, officer. Yeah, 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 something like that. So you know, she was instrumental in this idea that uh, as the uh, U.S. and the EU were looking for soft political issues to raise with Gruevsk, like he's not nice to the gays. Uh, there is a lack of political dialogue with the opposition. Uh, he's, she was uh, spearheading the one where they made media freedom an issue as, you know, proof of our lack of having a demo democracy in our country. Uh, so, yeah, I guess she will focus on the issue of, uh, of media, even more funding for, uh, you know, uh, their favorite uh, media Le outlets. Uh, their favorite leftist in causes. In the country. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, she comes from Pakistan, where she practically was part of the uh, coup against... Uh, Khan. What was the name of Imran, cricket, Imran Khan? Yeah, the cricket-playing prime minister. Yeah. When he sided with Russia, he promptly sided with Russia at the start of the war. So he was uh, quickly colored revolution. Or It was in the parliament. There was not even a revolution. It was, mm. it was a a coup of sorts so maybe the, i mean at this point i don't think the embassies even bother explaining or proving things or you know persuading people or getting them on your side you know this is uh, the state of democracy now this is your state of rule of law there is some improvement or bringing investments that would legitimize being under a state department rule like uh, look improvements in living standards all of this has gone out of the window I and mean, people are being arrested for uh, openly political reasons systematically for years now uh, Albanians are being forgiven you know every trespass because they're the loyal foot soldiers um, journalists are being arrested we had actually we had uh, Zoran Bozhinovsky who is like a horrible type of a journalist uh, who would write all sorts of uh, proven and unproven and fake uh, stuff about uh, whoever is in power. But he did so about Gryevsky. He did so about SDSM now. He was badly beaten in Bitola like a few days ago. Mm. Uh, under Vumero, Gryevsky tried to have him arrested through the course of law because... Uh, uh, was it fraud? What was the reason? I can't really remember at the moment. But there was a legal case against him. Mm -hmm. He was not met by thugs and beaten up in front of his uh, house, uh, in front of his wife, actually. This happened. Boki mm. uh, 13, who is also, we can talk a long time about him, uh, uh, this person. But he was a TV station owner. Okay, it was a racket, extortion racket, masquerading as a TV station. <laughs> um, but he's a public critic of Zayev because as an insider of Zayev, he came out and said that Zayev was part of his scheme to extort money from businessmen mm. with the help of special prosecutor Kati Sayanova. So uh, Boki was beaten badly in prison a few days ago and oh. uh, he had the surgery on his abdomen. 
and apparently the prisoners who were beating him were actually stomping on the abdomen. So, you know, this is pretty horrific stuff. Hmm. And miles above anything that happened to the journalists, Andrei Gruevsky, right. the journalists that Aguilar would elevate as victims, as political victims. I mean, we could say the same things about Zoran Bozhinovsky and about Tomislav Kajarovsky, for example, right. uh, who was the saintly victim uh, under... Under Gruevsky, you know, as portrayed by Philip Ricker and uh, Aguilar. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, uh, we have uh, Goran Lomirovsky facing half a dozen charges. Some of them, he doesn't even know what they are in a true Kafkian style, but he knows there are key charges. Right. Uh, he's like the most distinguished uh, pro-opposition journalist in the country. Mm. So, yeah, it's, uh, but the U.S. is no longer trying to persuade us in all of this or, or in the economy, which is impossible at this moment, or that they allow us free association after the referendum. They can't tell us, you know, we are supporting your right to freely associate with NATO or not associate with NATO. It's no longer an option. So all of this put together, they just, uh, you know, I, I don't think she'll even bother persuading or bribing or discussing things with us, she'll just say, this is what it is. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we declare you as a pro-Russian puppet or put you in prison for whatever or have somebody beat you up and that's how it's going to be. Mm. Well, this that's... is what we can look forward to. <laughs> that's pretty bleak. Okay. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, we will uh, we'll continue to follow that as well. But let's... Um, I just kind of wanted to, to mention this last thing before we go... Uh, Today, again, today's October 31, so elections in the United States are a week from tomorrow. We hold our elections on a Tuesday, unlike most of the world, which holds them on a Sunday. Uh, although Israel also holds their elections on Tuesdays. Um, so we have uh, the entire... You voted already, don't worry. Everybody has voted already. <laughs> Actually, no, my ballot is sitting right here beside me. I haven't yeah. I haven't filled so, it in. I filled it in, but I haven't put it in the mail yet. Um Bunch of people have voted five or ten times. <laughs> now, now. <laughs> uh, so the uh, the entire United States House, the lower chamber, 435 members are up for their two-year terms. And then I think it's 36 seats in the Senate are up. They have six-year terms staggered. Uh, so right now the Democrats control the House and I guess essentially control the Senate because it's 50-50, but Kamala Harris, the, uh, mm. the vice president, gets to break ties. Um but there's an interesting power-sharing arrangement. Anyway, uh, so elections, uh, I don't know if you feel confident. I want to make a, I want to make a prediction. Uh, the, uh, mm. So for our listeners that do follow uh, American politics, uh, blood sport that it is, um, mm. I predict the House of Representatives will end up 230 to 235 seats for the Republicans. Uh, I think they're mm. at 213 now, or 212 and it'll be 51-49 in the Senate Republicans. So I don't know mm-hmm. if you want to go out and make a prediction on that, but uh, I just wanted to put myself on record uh, just having, you know, seen I what... Don't, I don't bet on the rig the races. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm not betting either. I'm just making a prediction. So uh, uh, now, what does that mean? Let's just say I'm correct. Uh, I mean, the, the, the Republicans will win the House. That's, that's a given. Uh, the Senate, yeah. it's really... Up in the air, there's so many factors, we'll see. Uh, but let's just say the Republicans control the House and the Senate. What does that mean in practical terms? Not a lot, 
uh, in terms of yeah. the legislative agenda of the president of the United States, it means nothing. He can't really get anything done, uh, which is good. Uh, you know, the, one of the one of the geniuses of our founding fathers was to create a system such that it's very difficult to get things done legislatively, which is good. You you want to have deliberation, and you want to take time, and you want competing sides to come together and talk and hash it out and think before they actually finally make a decision that's going to affect the people. The problem is over the decades, uh, most recently, you know, say the past four or five decades, is that the legislative power, the uh, parliament, the Congress, has granted, given willingly, its powers over the presidency, and the presidency has become much larger than it really should be. Uh, And the president, both Republicans and Democrats, have increasingly used what's called executive orders, which is just what it sounds like. It's a order from the executive office that says, Mm. do this, that, or the other. Uh, Most of the times, they're generally unconstitutional and illegal, and they're challenged by the courts, and they get struck down, but a lot of times they don't. So anyway, that's no way to govern a a republic of 330 million that stretches from sea to shining sea and has two oceans on either side. Uh, But anyway, so hopefully not much will get done. I know things like... um, uh, the so-called January 6th committee will be shut down. Uh, there will be investigations of Hunter Biden, the president's son. There will be investigations of uh, uh, maybe Paul Pelosi. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I shouldn't. I shouldn't be laughing at that. That was a terrible thing. He should never be attacked. But there's, there's, there's something's not right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, <laughs> we'll, um, you know, and and perhaps Joe Biden will be impeached. Uh, I, I think um, one of the one of my favorite podcasters is uh, Charlie Cook uh, with National Review, who's a Brit by birth, American by choice, uh, and he thinks that every every American president does commit some impeachable offense. Uh, so uh, so we'll see. Maybe Joe Biden will be impeached uh, by the re- – not removed, but impeached uh, by Republican House of Representatives. So um, anyway, that's a week from tomorrow, November 8th. We won't know the results – We'll know the results of most races by late that night or early Wednesday morning, uh, but there will be a number that we just don't know for could be weeks. Or, or in the case of, for instance, Georgia, the Georgia Senate race is uh, if no candidate, that's uh, Herschel Walker and um, mm. so-called Reverend Raphael Warnock, if no, if no candidate gets 50%, there has to be a runoff in December. So uh, mm-hmm. uh-huh. uh, it's according to state law, so it's just a weird thing. But anyway... Um, we will see. Anything else for the good? No, we we yeah, we gained Italy. We lost Brazil. <laughs> we gained Twitter. Now we are the verge. Of, you know, we'll probably gain the two houses of Congress. But uh, yeah, is it going to do much? I don't know. I don't know. By the way, I I listened to a fantastic podcast yesterday. Uh, I, I've been listening because my I've had issues with my hand, which we don't need to go into right now, but. I need long periods of time of just listening to podcasts where I can kind of manipulate this finger that basically had surgery on. Uh, so yesterday I, I treated myself to two, um, two podcasts of the uh, Roger Scruton Memorial. Um, uh, I forgot the Memorial Roger Scruton. Anyway, Roger Scruton Memorial something or other podcast. Uh, and uh, the late Sir Roger Scruton, praise be upon him, uh, great conservative British thinker. Uh, but Peter Hitchens uh, was fantastic, brother of the late uh, Christopher Hitchens, the famous atheist, 
Yep. Which is funny because Peter Hitchens is the exact opposite. He's a he's a, uh, yeah. <laughs> a, a wonderful believer in Christ. Uh, but listening to him, if 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 you want to be depressed, go listen to that podcast. I mean, it's a, it's an it's a it's a lovely kind of depression because it's not depression. It's more of a lament, uh, a series of laments about um, uh, conservatives in Britain, uh, but about the conservative cause. But. I think there's. Oh, we're gonna lose Britain big time, oh, Ah, <laughs> no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna disagree. Beautiful. I'm gonna disagree with you on that one because that's gonna be, be because fantastic. after Peter gave you know 45 minutes of talk, um, then there was a discussion between him and um, Dan Hannon, now Lord Hannon, uh, one of the great mm-hmm. Brexiteers, uh, former MEP, uh, who is also brilliant in his own way, and he kept prodding Peter, looking for, you know, little bits of light, uh, in, in his, in his dark laments. Uh, anyway, if, if you want to, if you want to, maybe we'll put that as our farmer's pick, uh, has nothing to do with Macedonia, but, uh, yeah, I'll find it and put it up there. Uh, and, uh, for, for those that want to, to listen to that. Uh, all right. I've gone off on a bit of a rant there. Um, we're at, uh, we're running a little bit late here. I got to go to the office and work. Yes, it's Monday morning, my time. Uh-huh. Uh, but let's. This is good. We we did a podcast two weeks ago. Let's let's try and keep this every two weeks. Yep. All right. We'll try to find interesting things. Oh, they're always interesting things two. when it's Macedonia. Yeah. <laughs> All right, buddy. Good talking to you. Okay, buddy. Take care. You too.